0: it's now time for let's talk with smitty on wsbs and on the free wsbs app good morning everybody this is smitty that means it's monday uh we got a very special show today as we prepare for memorial day and uh calling in from the metropolis of westfield massachusetts is a dear dear friend of mine a a former state representative current state senator but more importantly here today, a major in the U.S. Army Reserve, uh, John Vilas. Can you hear us okay, John? Loud and clear, my friend. How you doing? Very good. How was your weekend? It was good.
1: It was good. How about
0: yours? Yeah, little, it, it, hot and rainy in the Berkshires uh, yesterday, but it's all good. I, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, m- uh, Memorial Day is coming up soon, and I can't, couldn't think of anybody better than you to try to join us and uh, talk about the significance of this day and, uh, and uh, about your own personal experience. But tell our listeners, uh, John, or should I call you Senator or Major? Um, we'll, um, Rep, you call me whatever you want, <laughs> my friend. You
1: call, we go back. I call know. Whatever
0: we, you want. we go back a long way. But uh, tell, tell, us, tell our listeners, uh, John, a little bit about your experience. Not only clearly you've had a call to service. Uh, you've been serving in the legislature for several years now, uh, and you, you're a, a, a decorated uh, a soldier in the, uh, the, uh, the U.S. Army Reserve. So tell us a little bit about your experience and why that pull to service.
1: You know, Representative, it's a great question. You know, I have always wanted to, from a very, very young age, I always wanted to serve in the military in some capacity. Um, I made a decision to obviously go to the United States Army, where I still to this day am a major, as you said in the intro, a major in the U.S. Army Reserves. And to me it was kind of a, a simple choice. I mean, I look at, I mean, you don't have to look too far. You don't have to watch the news that much today to see that, you know, we live in a, to this day, we live in a very, very, very dangerous world with a lot of different things going on. And, and it's just, you know, one of my first experiences was that I had traveled abroad and I, and I realized after not spending that much time at all abroad that, you know, are the flaws that we may have in America, notwithstanding, it's still the greatest country on earth. And, and that really was a call, a call to service for me. So I, so I signed up for the Army, um, obviously did the required officer candidate school, the training and whatnot. And then very, very soon thereafter, I got my I got called up for my for my first deployment in 2012 to 13 to Afghanistan and out in support of Operation Enduring Freedom, which was the name of the Afghanistan war at that time. And and again, just, you know, being in a place like Afghanistan, where you, where you see things that Quite honestly, it's just a the best way to describe a place like Afghanistan, particularly where I was, which was a place called Zabal Province, which at that time in 12 to 13 was without a doubt one of the most, if not the most, volatile and violent province in the country. It, it really uh, it really makes you appreciate what we have back here. So it was uh, it was a call to service, and it's just a it's just a I love being in the Army, and I think it's – I love being in the United States military, I should say. I mean, if you look at it, my friend, right now, I mean, a number that constantly kind of takes me aback is that, you know, right now in this country, less than one-half of 1% of our country is serving in the military. And and I kind of view that number – I think it's a great thing that we have an all-volunteer force. But I also look at many of the challenges around the world – and uh I, I hate saying this and I hate being a, a predictor of, of bad news, but it's it's a again, a more volatile and potentially dangerous world than we've ever had right now. So I just I love being in the army. It's uh it's a great thing my friend I appreciate you
0: asking. Well, and, and you've done such a fantastic job and you're clearly highly decorated but as a young man, you know, I always I love talking to the veterans and you've done so much for veterans uh, in your time in the legislature as well because of your lived experience. You know, you've done so much for the uh, the Soldiers' Home during that uh, sad set of circumstances a couple years ago we're going to be building a new hospital. You've been a strong advocate to to keep the uh, the Western Mass VA hospital uh, uh, open uh, with some federal cutbacks as well. I'd love to Called a service though, so, John, and I want to kind of dig into that a little bit further. So it wasn't one particular, like 9-11 happened and people joined, you know, World War Two happened and people joined. There wasn't one trigger. You just saw some things around the world in your travels that said, you know what, I need to do more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's interesting about that because a lot of times if you look at the, you know, the, the reasons that, that people join, a, a lot of times it's you can kind of break them down in different categories. A lot of times it's a, a family tradition, um, which, which it hasn't been in my, um, in my family. A lot of times it's a it's a financial, you know, if, if I go to the military, you know, it might help me pay for college. It might help me just do different things that I want to do, help me with my job prospects. And then there's, like you correctly pointed out, an incident, whether it's, you know, 9-11 or going back years, Pearl Harbor, with me, it was just kind of a – it's just a always loving – a love of country, a love of service, and wanting to wanting to participate ever since I've kind of been a, a little boy. I've always been fascinated by by war movies and war books and about – but it's, it's, it's deeper than the actual war itself. It's just that, you know, this America is a place that to this day, as we all know, People want to come here because they view it as a place where if you come to America, you can possibly achieve that American dream. And and to me, that's just something that's worth fighting for. You know, the hope is that you never have to fight for it. But for me, it was just kind of always this process, I guess, I guess just being very patriotic my entire life. Um, So, but it's fascinating. I, you know, being the chair of the Vets and Federal Affairs Committee, we spend a lot of time, thinking about you know what why people join the military how we keep them in how we retain them and one of the things that's fascinating if you do a deep dive on this stuff is that the force today is made up of so many different people from all walks of life i mean truly the most diverse institution in the world is the united states military but everybody joins for for different reasons and i think that's a I think that's a really special
0: thing. We're here with uh, Major John Vilas, a, a dear friend of mine. He's, oh, by the way, a state senator as well, <laughs> doing some fantastic <laughs> stuff. But on this on this special uh, episode of Let's Talk with Smitty, we're, we're kind of focusing on Memorial Day. And I want to stick on service for a second. I don't want to get into the Memorial Day activities. But uh, David Gergen, who you know, has consulted four different presidents, Republicans and Democrats. He was on the news a few weeks ago when they talked about why young people are not getting— into service and he says you're getting out of college and whether it could be student debt or whatever they just want to go out and make money they're not the young people are not thinking about service as much as they were during our generation is there something we can do you know as elected officials to make that more enticing for people to whether it be the military or a city year or americorps uh to uh, think about serving their country or their community
1: no that's a, that's a really great great question, and it's a conversation I have a lot with different people because and you brought up a great thing in a lot of other great organizations, AmeriCorps, Peace Corps, you know obviously the military, but there's so many other things i i couldn't I am a huge proponent of the notion that that kids because that's really what we're talking about, you know, whether they graduate high school, even not graduate high school or go to college and before they go off into the the world, if you will. I think there's really something to be said about doing and having some type of... A, I don't want to say requirement, because then you kind of get into these mandates and stuff like that. But I think we, if we can collectively as a legislature, really kind of exude the benefits of doing some type of public service, what it does, in my opinion anyways, it kind of gives you that appreciation. Again, right now, I mean, let's, let's be honest, my friend. I mean, we live in a world right now that's really, really, really divided. And I am absolutely convinced that if we, if we were to go back to the days where if people put country first, and not just here, you see this division all over the world right now, but if we kind of got back to this, hey, you want to know what? I've gone out into the world. I've done this type of service. I see the things that are really, really important. I am absolutely convinced that that's one of the ways that we can kind of lower this temperature in this country right now, not to mention all of the other benefits that come from from service. You know, you just meet some of the coolest people in the world. And I, and I always tell this story. My my last deployment to Afghanistan. When I came when I came back, you have to you redeploy, which is basically just coming home. I went to Fort Bliss in Texas, and for whatever reason, kind of just the luck of the draw the group that I was in, and the redeployment, you go, you meet with the VA, you do a lot of medical things, you talk to a lot of different doctors, basically just kind of giving you the clear before you go back in the civilian world, if you're in the National Guard or the Reserves. And I was with the Mississippi National Guard. And, you know, Mississippi is a state I've never been to. It's, it's folks that I've never, prior to this experience, I never had the pleasure of, of getting to know. And kind of going back to what I was saying about, about service and meeting people, I mean, the chances are, if I wasn't in the military, if I wasn't coming back at that particular time, I wouldn't have met these folks from Mississippi. And they were some of the most beautiful, kind, decent human beings I've ever met in my life. And they're they're friends to this day that I never would have come in contact with. And I focus on that. Because I think, as, as you and I can probably agree, and I think many of your listeners would agree, that Mississippi and Massachusetts are two very, very, very <laughs> different states and a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different customs. And, and it was just such a special time getting to know them. And, and they, begin, like I said, become some of my best friends in the world that I frequently talk with. In fact, I've got a trip scheduled to Jackson, Mississippi, to go – to go see some of these fellows. And again, it's that I only have that because of my service in, in getting out there. And I think it's just a really good thing and it's and it and it teaches you that, you know, I think in life we have a tendency to kind of view the world through our own lens and through our own eyes. And I think the way to kind of make that not be the case and kind of view the world more, more holistically and, you know, and become more compassionate and more empathetic is to get to know more people. And I can think of no better way to do that than some type of service whether it's military peace corps americorps or
0: anything else very well said and i think you know we, we tend to live in our own bubble and uh, we think what we're doing in our bubble is the correct way to do it and the only way to do that is to get to meet and see other people and hear their stories which 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 makes me want to shift to you know memorial day it's a very special day in my family clearly it's going to be a very special day in you with your in your family you know um what does Memorial Day mean to you? You you've seen some some tragedies in your military career and, and certainly within your district, but why is this day so important and it's I always think that Memorial Day is a day we should celebrate every day because of the service and sacrifice of so many folks. But what does Memorial Day mean to you?
1: I mean it's 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 in my and I say this every time, I'll say it all weekend long as we you know, go into these these ceremonies. It's the most sacred and most important day of the year for the very simple reason that we honor and remember those that that didn't come home, that were killed in action, the ones that literally left it all on the battlefield. Um, and we to say we owe them a debt of gratitude is far and away the 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 biggest understatement that certainly I'm going to say today in any other time period. And I, and, I, and what I'll, I guess what I'm going to do is I, I just want to. So, when my last deployment in 2018, like I mentioned, you um, you, you leave Afghanistan and there's this place called Bagram Airfield. And it, you heard about Bagram Airfield a lot this past summer with the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan. But anyway, long story short, it was one of the larger installations, um, one of the biggest installations. And, and there's this mural, uh, a painting, a picture. And when you're leaving Afghanistan, and I and I stress the word leaving, because this mural is only on, it's it's when you leave, it's in an air terminal, we call it a tax terminal, when you're leaving the country, when your tour is over. And I just want to take a second to unpack that for a second. This mural is not there when you get to Afghanistan. This mural you do not see when you're leaving Afghanistan to go on a two-week leave. You only see this mural if you are leaving and your tour is over. And what it says is that this is a tribute to all who have fallen during Operation Enduring Freedom, live a life worthy of their sacrifice. Mm. And, and, it's, and you pause, and I know my experience when I was walking up those stairs and I looked at this mural, I saw several service members in front of me stopping, reading it, pausing, and I saw several, including myself, that, had a, had a, you know, that choked up and had tears in their eyes, and, and it's there that it hits you in the face that, you know, you're going home. You are one of the fortunate ones, but you've got any number of buddies, whether it's in Afghanistan, Iraq, or any other conflict in the history of our nation, that are not going home. And that's what Memorial Day is about, those we honor who are not coming home. And I love that sentence, live a life worthy of their sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at any time I'm, you know, going about my, my daily my daily routine, and certainly as we get ready to honor the fallen, to your point, it should be every single day. You know, I try to live my life worthy of their sacrifice, and I think one of the ways that we can go about doing that is certainly honoring their families, the Gold Star families who feel that pain, you know, more than anybody, but just even the way we carry ourselves on a daily basis. You know, those men and women who aren't coming home, you know, put yourself... Put yourself in their family shoes, their friend's shoes. I mean, life goes on, but that pain, that loss for them is always there. And one of the things that I do, you know, I was involved with a, you know, on, on April 6, 2013, going now back to my first deployment, um, I was involved with a pretty, pretty, uh, the, the, we'll just call them the insurgents because in a place like Afghanistan, you don't necessarily know whether the Taliban, whether they're ISIS, whether and there any number of these groups. But an installation that I was at um, was hit pretty hard. And uh, three of my buddies um, were killed in that, as well as this young woman named Anne Smettinghoff who was the first Foreign Service officer ever killed in Afghanistan uh, and to, to this day. And uh, it, it just so every Memorial Day, I kind of go on Facebook and I just and, and I look at their families you know the three the three fallen us soldiers as well as and as well as the other several other people died too that were afghans that were linguist afghan civilians um, but i but i go to the facebook pages of the family members and you know you know life goes on you live with it you, you i guess you some you find some way to kind of process the pain but it's, but it's always there, um, and they're, they're going to those graveyards. They're going to Arlington. They're bringing up the memories of their loved one, but it doesn't go away. They left it all on the battlefield, and that's who we honor this coming
0: Monday. My my father, as you know, uh, lost his best friend, the original Smitty. <laughs> I always refer him to him as the original Smitty, but it was, you know, 60-plus years later that we finally found Smitty's grave, and I brought my dad down there, and and uh, he, he says something that it's really, I think about every day. He says, the wound is not fresh, but the pain was still there. And, uh, these I love are, that. These are the stories that I think soldiers have, but how do we—it it took 60-plus years for my father to start sharing his stories of World War Two you know, as, as more and more World War II veterans are dying off, and then we have Korea and now Vietnam and Afghanistan, how can we get veterans to start sharing those stories so that the next generation knows about that sac- sacrifice that they went through, so that hopefully we won't make those same mistakes again?
1: No, it's a, great, it's a great point, and it's a great question, and one of the interesting things about our veteran population is you can almost, it's, you know, like World War II, God bless them all, and to your point there, we don't, there's not many of them less, and truly, 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 the greatest generation, but they 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 really didn't speak about their experience and then one of the one of the observations i've had is that you know the more recent the conflict, the more likely it is that a service member speaks and a veteran speaks about their about their time overseas and and, and I don't know why I mean the horrors of war you know you don't have to you don't have to. It really doesn't matter the battle. It doesn't matter the country. I mean, in many respects, violence is violence. And but one of the things that I think is better today than it was, say, you know, back in World War II or Korea, and even some of the conflicts, you know, you know, way before in our nation's history, is that because we're really starting to talk about things like post-traumatic stress, mm. traumatic traumatic brain injury, things like that society as a whole is encouraging folks to come forward to tell their experience so we can get them the help that they need you know one of the one of the remarkable things about medical technology um, that you know as as medical technology and battlefield technology has advanced a lot of service members that have survived what we would call catastrophic injuries in places like Iraq and Afghanistan would have died in previous conflicts because, but because we have this technology, because we can get them to a certain base that has a trauma center, because we can put tourniquets on them, we're saving a lot more lives. But the flip side of that is that a lot of service members, a lot of veterans are coming back with these injuries. They're amputees. They're multiple amputees. They've just been exposed to things that just are just horrendous. Um, so continuing to say hey, your sacrifice we honor and raise your hand. That stigma that existed for so, so long in our armed forces, that raising your hand to say, I need help, is a weakness. You know, there, it, it, listen, it is still a very high-up-tempo environment where some people would still say it's tough to raise your hand. But going back, you know, to World War II, going back to even even the Gulf War, you know, as a society, we've moved in a direction where we encourage it, we welcome it, and that help is there. But to your point, we can always do more. We can always encourage them to talk about it because one of the things, and I don't mean to bring up a, 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 an awful topic, but one of the things that we know with absolute certainty is that, you know, of the 20 to 22 service members and veterans that take their lives every single day, the vast majority of them were not getting any type of assistance and that's a problem. We, as a commonwealth and a nation, need to do better to get them to talk, so we can get them the help they need.
0: We're here with uh, a John Vilas, a major in the United States Army Reserves, and uh, like I say, oh by the way, with all of due respect, oh by the way, is a state senator too. So m- m- Memorial Day comes, and you know we-, we do the parades. It's kind of the unofficial kickoff to summer. Do you have per- do you have a personal moment of reflection on this weekend or that day that? you you could share with us i mean you you've lost you've lost buddies and and colleagues clearly uh, war. We're watching this Ukrainian uh, situation right now. It's not even uh, on the front page of the paper any longer. It's not the lead story on the nightly news any longer. But how do we keep the those issues out in the forefront so that I always say the next generation is prepared to help these folks who are, are paying the ultimate sacrifice? But do you have a personal moment of reflection that's uh, kind of historic to you? I go visit my father's grave. I actually wear my father's World War II dog tags every day of my life, and. Uh, if, if we're de- if we're so dealing if we're dealing with an issue with the at the state house I just I just put my hand near my heart and I feel the tag and I said what will my father say what will my father do um, what what is what exercise do you go through this coming weekend
1: you know I just I, I take some time to just kind of just just think about think about think about my buddies that are that are that are no longer here and, and I take my and I and I kind of just spend a good amount of time um, you know some of the ones that I talked about that lost their lives on on that April sixth. You know I've got such good memories of playing basketball with them. That's kind of the only thing we could do to to blow off steam. We had this just horrendous basketball court on the base that I was at, and we used to do battle on that basketball court. There'd mm-hmm. be fights that would break out. There'd be bloody noses. But you know, and then and then you know a day later, two days later, those those service members um, were killed. And and so so from my standpoint, I, I, I kinda pause and I and I think about them. I think about them. I think about their kids. I think about their young children that are growing up that, you know, don't have in this instance a dad. Um, and, and I just it just it just gives me the the energy and the momentum and the strength to go out and do what we do so well in Massachusetts, which is take care of our veterans. I truly believe that if we could go up in heaven and say to these folks who lost their lives, what can we do to honor you? I'm sure they would look at us and they'd say, take care of my brothers and sisters who survived and make sure they get everything need, because you can never do enough for, for our service members. And of course, they would say, take care of my family. Um, and that's kind of how I honor them and then think about them. But it's a very obviously a very personal day, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of mixed emotions this coming Monday. I think that's important for people to realize, especially now when so few people, again, that less than one-half, one percent, that is the unofficial start of the summer, but it's also the most painful day of the year for a lot of Americans, and I think we need to honor them um, in every way we possibly
0: can. Major John Velas, thank you so much for joining us, um, and I hope the folks who are listening here today and think about this each and every day, I appreciate you taking the time to join us. Okay, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thanks thank, for having thank me. Thank you very much. We'll be back, um, but until then, be well, be safe, have fun, be happy. Let's all take care of one another, folks. Let's all be Berkshire.